Good morning. I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and welcome to Wait 5 Minutes, the Floridian podcast. I hope the rest of your October was wonderful, and I hope that you had a very happy Halloween. I know that I did. I also hope that the two days of somewhat chilly weather we had last weekend treated you well. I hope you wore your best sweater, and I hope that there are some more cold days to come. Last week, we went over the major elections facing Florida in the coming days. I won't drill more of that information about this into you. However, I will remind you that tomorrow, Saturday, November 3rd, is the last day to early vote. You can still vote on election day proper, which is November 6th, and you've got to do it. You're going to do it. You just, that's it. But this week, we're discussing something still connected to voting, but something that's more personal and, and frankly more personal to me because it fits snugly into my own demographics. From my perspective, the past two or three years have engaged many people politically in ways that we haven't up to this point. And many of those newly engaged citizens and voters are young people, mostly fitting into the definition of millennials. I may be projecting, especially when you consider the liberal arts college bubble that I've lived in for the past four years, but millennials are more involved than they ever have been, and their impact can be felt. A millennial is a broad term used nowadays to define the ambiguous concept of a quote-unquote young person. Many on the internet have taken to using it as an insult for ignorant, mostly liberal, young persons who want to destroy our conventions of society. Regardless, the term has an actual definition. The Pew Research Center defines a millennial as anyone born between 1981 and 1996. Anyone born after does not fit into their researched definition. That makes me a millennial. Surprise. Though many call the next generation quote-unquote Gen Z, as I do, the Pew Research Center refers to them as post-millennials, which makes everyone under the age of 22 sound like a unique art movement, but that's neither here nor there. I'll be referring to them as Gen Z. The reason 1996 is chosen as the cutoff date for millennials is due to the age range during the impact of the early 2000s. People born in 1996 were only five, but were still old enough to process 9-11 and the impacts of the Iraq war, and older millennials were part of the voting demographic that helped elect Barack Obama in 2008, and they were entering the workforce during the recession. We are also, quote, the most racially and ethnically diverse adult generation in the nation's history, unquote. Pew adds, however, that Gen Z is on track to be even more diverse in all areas. There are many other groups who define what exactly millennials or Gen Z are, but for the sake of this episode, consider Pew's definition of what I'm referring to. 1981 to 1996. I wrote this episode from my favorite Orlando coffee shop, the College Park location of downtown Credo. Most of these episodes have been written there, mostly because the coffee is cheap, but also because the tables are riddled with free news publications and community updates. That sense of connectivity is inherently comforting and also always keeps me up to date with the ins and outs of Orlando. On the table where I wrote this episode, there were buttons and flyers inviting people to vote in the midterms. One reads, quote, 51% of millennials don't vote. Be the one to stand out, unquote. This coincides with the information I found in an NBC News article, which said that only a third of millennials said that they will definitely vote in the midterms. The exact number in their poll is 31%. 26% say they will probably vote, 23% say they are uncertain, 12% say probably not, and 7% say they will definitely not vote in the midterms. 
The number of uncertain people is harrowing, certainly, at 23%, but the 7% who say they will definitely not vote, that digs into your mind. It makes you wonder, why? New York Magazine spoke with 12 young persons and discussed why they won't vote. They're from all across the country and have voted before, but why are they not voting now? It's a frightening read, not because these people won't vote, but because of the concerns and explanations and the fact that they're pretty reasonable explanations. Many of these people are my age or just slightly older, and many of them were disillusioned by the 2016 election and most believe that the government, no matter what party, is not actually interested in what they have to say. Many of them believe that they are uninformed and don't feel like they should vote until they are more informed, and those who are informed are mostly left-leaning. But they lost hope that their vote counts. It really is devastating, but it inspires you in a weird way. It makes you want to make a world where people have faith in others and have faith in the system that it might be able to work for them, but. That's optimistic. Many millennials have that optimism though. Specifically, left-leaning folks have had the mentality for a very long time. According to the Tampa Bay Times, when Congress lowered the voting age to 18 in 1971, that's where it all began. They started talking about the idea of progressive young voters and how they would be able to change elections. However, in 1972, the major election after this voting age change, Richard Nixon, the Republican candidate, won the presidency with a decisive victory. In Florida though, in 2018, much of this passion could potentially be attributed to the young people who became activists out of the shooting that happened in February at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in South Florida. These survivors became outspoken advocates and they're very passionate and they're very democratic. Florida, you'll remember, though, is not Democratic, but we're not Republican either. We're a swing state, meaning we have a significant number of independent voters who do not have a registered party affiliation. Those voters were not permitted to vote in the primaries because they are closed primaries. But those numbers will affect the outcome of the general election, especially when you consider that you can't really predict how they'll vote. The Herald Tribune, a newspaper based out of Sarasota, spoke with Susan McManus, a political scientist and former USF professor. She says that 51% of voters in Florida fall into Gen X, Millennial, and Gen Z, and that it's more likely that these voters are registered independents. So we already don't know the impact that young people are going to have in the election. Add in the factor that they're independent and we don't really know if they're going to vote left or right. It makes for a major toss-up. But what about the activism in campaigns themselves? This is something that I find to be so fascinating. Everywhere you look, people you know are volunteering, getting involved in organizations, making podcasts. People are doing stuff to have an impact. A few months ago, I visited a friend who worked for one of the candidates who was running for governor at their local campaign office. You take one step into that office and three quarters of the people working on that campaign were young and they were diverse. They were working, making phone calls, canvassing, planning. They were doing it. They were running the show. So I wanted to talk to someone who had firsthand experience. So I spoke with my friend Sebastian. He's 20 and he's in his third year at my former school, Rollins College. He works with the Zebra Coalition, which is an organization that provides support to LGBT plus youths in Florida between the ages of 13 and 24. 
He canvassed for Anna Escamani, a Democrat running for Florida House 47, who has received national attention from the likes of Time Magazine and Pod Save America, a popular political podcast. Over the summer, he worked as a strategic planning assistant for the Stephanie Murphy campaign here in Orlando. Murphy is running to retain her seat in Congress. He told me a little bit about those campaigns. So I can't speak for uh, the Republican candidates, but what I've seen in the, Democra uh, the Democratic candidates, particularly Murphy and Escamani, is that the campaigns at the volunteer level are overwhelmingly youth-run. Right. I mean, you see a little bit of some older populations getting involved uh, because you always see that older people are statistically more getting out to vote, I would assume, is the reason. Um, but when you look at the Murphy campaign, for example, the canvassing staff is run entirely by youth and they're operating out of this extreme passion for democratic politics, for the Democratic Party. Um, and so you really see this beautiful sense of advocacy uh, among this youth population, and these are primarily even high school kids, all the way up to college and postgraduate. This influx of young people involved in politics really is reflecting, not just in conversation, but in actual numbers. The Sun Sentinel reports that people between the ages of 17 and 21 in Florida registered to vote at a higher number than ever before. The last highest record was in 2014, and this year, we beat that number by 26%. These numbers are so magnanimous that many are predicting the voter turnout for young people will be higher than any of those aforementioned polls can gauge. And like I said earlier, my friend agrees that much of this passion in Florida could be traced back to Parkland. Almost chalk it up to what you could basically call the, the Parkland effect, right? Where you're seeing youth getting involved after they see the issues that are happening in Washington uh, and even in their district and in their state capital affecting them. Right, so in Parkland you see kids mobilizing for gun safety because they don't feel safe themselves in their own school situation. So I think things are getting so outlandish that youth are becoming more uh, politically efficate across the board because these are issues that are, first of all, uh, absurd. We've got problems like immigration and gun control uh, that are bl blowing up in the media and, and kids are getting more of an eye for this stuff. Um, and also, these issues are affecting them firsthand or maybe affecting people they know firsthand. So I think it's an increase in the personal relationship that teenagers and young adults are having to these political issues. And that especially comes with things like social media and the internet that are connecting people to these issues. It's personal. And it should be. This is our country. This is our place to make an impact. We're going to be adopting this country. So we should leave our fingerprints on it. And for better or worse, this is it. By next Wednesday, the next time you hear my voice, we will know what the next two years in our country will look like, what the next two years in our state will look like. So participate. Show up. Do your part. And remember that young people are using their voices now more than they ever have before. This election will certainly be a test on whether or not the young adults of America can have an impact on their country through these elections. Tuesday, November 6th, 2018. It'll be history, so don't miss out. And that's the last time I'll tell you to do it, because I know I know you'll do it, and I'm sorry. I've, I've talked to you about it like crazy. I promise that there are other stories on the way, but I just need to make sure that I've covered all the bases. That's the least I can do. So thanks for putting up with me. Next week on Wait 5 Minutes, there will actually be two episodes. First, I'll release a special episode on Wednesday of next week, 
breaking down all of the information from the election with statistics and trends and reactions so you can face the rest of the week informed. Then, on Friday, we'll take a trip to Cape Canaveral and cover the stories of the abandoned astronaut towns around the Kennedy Space Center. I hope you tune in. I'm very excited about it. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a review or share with a friend. This show can grow, but only if people know that it exists, so share it. You'll never know who loves these stories. If you have a question or a suggestion for an episode, you can email me at wait5minutespodcast at gmail.com. My friend Annie reached out to me a few weeks ago, and the topic she suggested will be our topic in two weeks. I can't wait to hear your suggestions. All the music in this episode is from Lobo Loco. You can find the song titles in the episode description below, and all the links and resources used in this episode can be found in the description as well. Thank you, truly from the bottom of my heart, for listening. Your support means a lot, and I hope that you're happy when Election Day rolls around. I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Be kind to each other, be kind to yourselves, and drink more water. Have a good day. Thank mm-hmm. you.